we're uh, glad to have you here today, and uh, want to uh, let you know that we uh, delivered the I backed the food that we collected for the backpacks, and uh, we uh, gave those away on Friday, um, and uh, delivered them to the school as kids were heading off for a week's a week's break, and. We uh, put together, I think, 11, 11 backpacks that we, we gave away. So uh, appreciate everybody who donated uh, for those. And uh, there was some food left over. Apparently, chicken noodle soup wasn't as popular as you might have thought it would be. And uh, so um, the items that were left over, we donated to, they have like a um, food pantry there. Uh, that they can give to, to parents or families if, if they come in and they, they have hardship. So um, either way, it was donated, whether to the, the kids to take home or to the uh, school itself to, to give away. So uh, thank you. And we will do that again uh, in, I believe it's in March. The next, the next uh, week off is in, in March, so it's not far away. Um, and, and again, we appreciate everybody that, that contributes to that. It's not a hopefully a huge expense for any one individual. Um, they're, they're usually low-cost items, and uh, yet it makes a, can make a real difference uh, to these kids during the, the week they, they're away from school. Away from school and away from school lunches, right? So uh, that, that's our goal there. If you have a, a prayer card, please, uh, we can pick those up at this time. And uh, we'll, we'll have another opportunity later, later on, but this is a convenient time to do that. Or if you came in and uh, missed picking up a communion cup, now's a, also a good time to, to grab that. Yeah. So. We are working our way through the fruit of the Spirit. And I hope that... Uh, you're finding this, this series to be, be beneficial. And the, the thing that I, I want us to remember that, that's important, I believe, just as a, a big picture, is that these are fruit. Okay? How much responsibility for growing and looking good and tasting good do the fruit bear? Okay. If you get an apple, and you go, this apple is the best apple I've ever, ever eaten, do you then say, I wonder if there are any other apples on that tree? I wonder if other apples on that tree were also good. Or the other apples were probably terrible. Right? Well, I'm glad I got the good one. We have an assumption, and it's justified, that if you get one good apple from a tree, there's a, a tremendous chance that the tree has produced good apples right? across the board. There may be some that the grubs get, or the birds peck, or the squirrels run away with, but generally speaking, if you get a good apple from a tree, you don't really celebrate the, the fruit, you celebrate the tree that gives good apples. 
And you say, I'm glad we have that tree in my orchard, in my yard, on whatever. Okay? And, and, and you take care of the tree. And so, when we come to the fruit of the Spirit, sometimes we could take too much responsibility for ourselves. Right? That, that we're responsible for, for the fruit. But I think in a sense, we're the fruit of the Spirit. And it's the Spirit that's the tree. Jesus elsewhere talks about you know, us being grafted into him. He is the vine, we are the branches. And so as we, we talk about this topic, as we look at these different attributes, different virtues, what we're saying is this is what God wants to work in our lives. Not, are you good enough? Not, not are you doing enough? Not, have you met the criteria to say, hey, here are the things that God wants, you better do them or else. Right? So it, it's what is God doing in our lives? Now, there's a part of it that we, we work with God. Right? We work with the Spirit, and, and, and we open to it. Because if our goals, if these aren't our goals, then it's like we're swimming upstream, and, and the Spirit has a hard time. Or, or Jesus says, you need to be connected to the, uh, the branch, needs to be connected to the vine. Right? And so that's, that's our part, is to stay connected, to be working in concert with the Spirit. I want to turn today to Mark chapter 10, and that's where we'll begin. In Mark chapter 10, there's a story, a couple of stories. The first one is that Jesus comes and sits down with some children. And the children are coming to him, and... His disciples sort of push them away. He's like, sorry, kids, we're doing grown-up work here. Now, there's a time and a place for that, right? But Jesus sees this going on. He says, actually, I'd like to talk with those kids. I'd like to talk with those children. Can you bring them, bring them here? The kingdom of God should be accessible for everyone. Truly, he says, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. There's a lot of conversation about what that, how that applies. But this is story number one. Jesus is saying to the kids, come, don't push them away. Story number two is also interesting. Story number two has... An overachieving young man who uh, has lived a good life, who's known in the community for his devotion to God and to, to God's law. And he comes to Jesus, and, and he's very humble, very respectful, it seems. He says, Good teacher. Good teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? 
What's interesting is I think Jesus can see his heart because Jesus doesn't say, oh, I'm so glad you asked me. I'm so glad you traveled. I'm so glad you made the effort to come and, and talk and you're really, really seeking. His immediate response is, there's no one good except God alone. Okay? And you're like, really, Jesus? We're going to like quibble over, <laughs> we're going to quibble over details you know, over meanings of words, um, because really it was just a, a statement of respect. Okay? He's not saying that, hey, I think, good teacher, that you're as good as God is. Right? Nobody, everybody understands that God has a level of goodness that's up here. And that anything that we might do or, or say or accomplish that is good is you know, down, down here. It, it, it doesn't compare to, to God's goodness. Everybody knows that. Jesus knew that. The, the young man knew that. The crowds knew that. And, and so he wasn't trying to say, Jesus, you are, you know, you're perfect. You are God. You are great. It's just being respectful to this man, to, to Jesus. And yet Jesus... I think knows his knows his heart, and so he he challenges him, and he says, "Well, well, what's your basis for that? Okay, what's your what's your basis for this goodness that you're ascribing to me? Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone." And then he he goes on to answer the second part of the question: "What must I do to inherit eternal life?" He says. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your mother and father. And the young man replies and says, Teacher, all of these I've kept since I was a boy. And, and so you wonder if there was perhaps this part of him as he comes to Jesus that he's thinking, I'm a good little boy. Right? I'm pretty good. Was he being facetious when he called him good teacher? Or was he being respectful? I don't know. You know? But, but he's saying, hey, as a good person, I recognize your goodness. Was he maybe approving and, and, and you know, saying, hey, everybody, look, this is the good teacher, the good rabbi. And I can affirm that because, hey, I'm, I'm a good guy and you all know that. Right? I, I don't know. But Jesus took him up and said, no one is good except God alone. Does that mean that then, that we should never? Like, like how should we think of ourselves? Should we now think of ourselves as bad? Like we are only ever bad? That we only ever mess up? That we only ever make mistakes and fall short, that we, we, is that how we think of ourselves? And yet if we go back to creation, what did God say when he made humanity? The first five days were good. The sixth day was very good. <laughs> the sixth day was the ancestors of you and me. And they were very good. God's handiwork. God's creative work. 
And so when Jesus says there's no one good, is he contradicting God the Father? I think we need to be careful about this, right? It's certainly he's saying, don't be proud, okay? Don't be too proud in yourself. And, and maybe even don't be, be too quick to honor people as though, you know, they're the bee's knees, you know, the cat's meow, the whatever you want to say, you know, that, that they are the be-all and end-all of goodness because they're human, Right? And only God is those things. So, it doesn't mean that we're bad. It just means that we need to respect God. And I think this statement has more to do with what was going on in the heart of this young man than it does a universal statement that Jesus says to his apostles, if ever I catch you calling someone good... You better watch out. I've given you a warning now. Don't say it. Right? So it's a reminder of our relationship with God. It's also, I think, Jesus has some insight into the heart of this individual about what is prompting him to come, what is prompting him to talk in that way. Now it goes on and says, Jesus loved him. Right? So, so Jesus respects him. He, he, he understands that this guy has kept the commands. This guy is dedicated. You know, it doesn't mean that pride doesn't s- slip in when we're that way. But, but Jesus loves him and, and, and wants him to come and follow and join him. Right? And we're going to see how that plays out. But I just want to focus on this phrase, none good but God, because I think sometimes we can use that as a descriptor of humanity. We say, well, Jesus said, and we lose sight of exactly what's going on when Jesus said it. Because our fruit of the Spirit today is goodness. And as you see goodness, and you say, oh, 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 Jesus said there's none good but God. How can people have goodness? As a virtue. How can they be described as, as having goodness or being a good person? There's none good but, but God. And so I think this is why we need to be careful how much weight or universal weight we give that statement from Jesus. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and today goodness, okay? I'm going to put that down to the weather. That was, that was weak. That was weak. All right. Fruit of the Spirit is goodness. Uh, one of the things that I think gives us, good, gives us context for this is you know, back last year sometime, we did a series on gospel. And, and we understand that gospel means good news. Okay, and, and so we're going to say, if, if we have the gospel in our life, we have good news. And, and I hope what we got out of that series, if you're here, if not, you can go back online and, and look for that, uh, that playlist on YouTube. But is that it, good news is not good information. Right? It's not good information. It, it's good relationship with God. It's a good way to live. It's good 
news because our our sins are forgiven, because we're receiving justice and grace and mercy. Like, it's something that happens that is good. And so even though gospel means good news, the news reflects something that has happened or something that will happen. And so we, we start off, and you might say we're sad, we don't have the good news, but then we get good news and our life changes because something has happened that changes us. And so, when we say, how can we be good? Is being good something natural? I want to have a look at uh, Romans chapter 15 and verse 14 here. You see, I want us to be careful because there are certainly... A lot of people in this world doing good things. Okay? There are a lot of people doing good things. There are a lot of people that have no affiliation with God that are feeding the hungry. Right? That are providing shelter for, for those that have none. There, there are a lot of people you know, providing educational opportunities for people. And, and so we, we're able to, you know, we look around us and we say there are uh, good people doing good things that have no affiliation with God okay? and we accept that, that that's fine um, what we're talking about is how does God change our lives okay? what impact does God have on our lives and so here uh, Paul is, is wrapping up his letter really to the Romans and his, his yeah, chapter 15, he's going to just end it in 16 with a lot of greetings. He says this, as he comes to the end of the letter, he's given them a lot to think about. And he says, I, am, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness. Full of goodness. Filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. That's a, um, quite a compliment, isn't it? That you are filled with goodness. I wonder if Paul would have written that to every church. Some of them seem to have some pretty, um, pretty big issues going on amongst them. But for the Romans, he says, I'm convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness. Now, when we're talking about goodness, we're, we're not just talking about these big acts of, you know, running a food pantry or clothing closet or whatever it is. We're talking about making moral, the correct moral choices, okay? That in our lives, we, we come to moments, we come to places where we face decisions. And, and are we going to make good decisions or bad decisions? Are we going to make God-honoring decisions or self-serving decisions? What, what is our, where is our moral compass and are we going to follow it? That's, that's really what goodness means. Are we going to live according to God's morals, according to God's standards? Or are we just going to follow um, our own pleasures? You might think back to Galatians 5, and we know that we're studying the fruit of the Spirit, but the... the a little earlier, right? The fruit of the Spirit are a contrast 
to what Paul is describing as the works of the flesh. And the works of the flesh are, are self-serving, they're, they're destructive, they're divisive. And, and, and so what we see is people that are making a choice for themselves. And so it's not surprising then that he puts goodness into this list as saying, what kind of choice are you going to make? Are you going to make a godly choice? And, and that's really what we're talking about here. It's not saying, are we the most charitable people in the world? It's saying, when you face a point in time to tell the truth or tell a falsehood, what are you going to do? Okay? When you, you face a point in time to be honest or dishonest, what are you going to do? And, and we face these moments throughout our lives, right? throughout our weeks. We have opportunities to do the wrong. And what are we going to do? And he's able to say to these people, I'm convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness. Again, that's in contrast, isn't it, to what Jesus said to the rich young ruler. There's no one good but God. Right? Well, here there's a church or a group of churches there in, in the city of Rome that is able to say people are full of goodness. We can be good. Um, in Galatians, just following the, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 6, we sort of get this, you know, again, the letter is, is winding down and Paul is again um, sort of repeating or, or giving more details about the theme that he's been discussing and in, in verse 10 of Galatians 6 he has this sort of summary statement he says let us not in verse 9 actually let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers or the household of believers. And, and so the reason that he says especially to those who belong to the church is what's he been addressing in the book of Galatians? You know, if you are here again at the end of last year. A church that's fighting with each other, right? Like, it's important that these churches, as a group of congregations, that these churches treat each other well, right? Like, don't be fighting, don't be slandering, don't be violent even against each other. You, you need to be doing good to everyone. And he says, especially to the people that you're at loggerheads with to the people that you're banging heads with, that you're disagreeing with. You need to be good to those people, but you need to, because you need to be good to everyone. Okay? And so uh, this is, I think, an application of what he's saying. Yeah, the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. It's how you treat one another. It's how you treat people around you. Um, I, I think it's important because when we talk about the Spirit, he's actually, in Galatians, talking about what is it that unites us? What is it that unifies us? If we go back to um, 
Let me see. Oh, maybe I can't find it there. But uh, nope, I'm missing it. But um, he, he says earlier that it's the spirit that unites us. And so because the spirit unites us, that's why we're treating each other well. Right? That's why we can't be treating each other badly. If we're united with a person, we're treating them badly. Then we're actually hurting ourselves, aren't we? Right? Um, we, we know that, you know, if you have um, a sports team that's got bullying going on within the team, right? how invested are the players going to be in supporting each other? Right? Um, if you have a, a workplace where it's just fractured and it's everybody for themselves and there's no real unifying goal and, and energy, how productive are you going to be? Maybe for a little while because everybody's trying to get ahead and, 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 you, know, and you achieve things for yourself, but, but in the long term, it's going to disintegrate because it's everyone for themselves, not caring about the other. And, and so churches can be like that. But if we're unified by the Holy Spirit, by the presence of God in our lives, then let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. I think this is interesting here. Because if we actually go back to verse 7, it's very much like the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. In verse 7 it says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from their flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Okay? So he's giving this choice. You can have the works of the flesh or you can have the presence of of the Holy Spirit. What are you living for? What's motivating you? And when we choose the Spirit, we're choosing goodness. And then I, I just have a couple more verses here. The next one is in Philippians chapter 1. And verse... Six. Again, I have this on the screen. I thank, starting in verse 3, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You see, oops, where'd I go? Oh yeah, I just didn't change the references. Philippians 1 verse 6. Um, what is it that makes us good? We can go back to creation and we can say, yeah, it was God at creation. But from that point on, we tend to accumulate things we do wrong. And, and that really isn't that the reason we need good news. <laughs> because by ourselves, when it comes to our relationship with God, we're bad news. Right? 
We're bad news. And, uh, and we can think of the, the dis- ways we disappoint people, ways we disappoint God, mistakes that we've made, things we've done to mess up. And, and we say, yeah, you know, I'm not, I, you know, there's, I have my moments. Don't get me wrong, I have my moments. I'm good, right? But there's those other moments. <laughs> and I'm not so good in those other moments. And so we recognize that we can't say that as a whole person, I am a good person. I think what we do really well is compare ourselves to other people. Right? So we say, we don't have to say, I'm a good person. We just have to say, I'm a better than Ed person. Right? right? Hey, you're, you're the one that sat on the front row. So, uh, right? I don't have to be good. I just have to be better than that other person. And I can feel good about myself. Right? And, and I think we all, we see this, don't we? I mean, don't, don't we go, oh, I'm not sure if I'm a good driver. Or we point out the bad drivers. Right? And, and we love pointing out the bad drivers because we're the good driver. Have you ever said to yourself, you know, I think I might be the bad driver? Right? We don't do that. The bad drivers are always the other people that get in front of us and go real slow, right? I mean, we're the good drivers. And those other people, every time they do a mistake, it simply validates the goodness of our driving. And we can model, extrapolate this to all areas of our life. That, that we say, we, we know that we do things wrong, but if we just focus on other people doing wronger things, then we can feel good about ourselves. And so when, when God comes along, and, and we can no longer compare ourselves to him because he has no sin, and now we say, oh, well, hang on, there's a problem here. Right? Because there's no way for me to be better than him. Any comparison, I'm going to fall short, no matter how good I am. And this is why the Holy Spirit gives us the goodness of God to enable us to live good lives. Being confident of this, that He, Jesus, who began a good work, or God who began a good work in us, will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. What's the, the day of Christ? Jesus is the day of the return of Jesus. It's like God isn't giving up on his people until he gives up on everyone, until time comes to a conclusion. And so God has begun what sort of work in us? Good work. Right? And, and don't we need that good work? Like, we don't just need work. We need good work. Because remember, we're contrasting the works of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit. We recognize that we can't do the good works that make our apple any particularly more shinier than somebody else's. It comes from the, from the trunk. It comes from the tree. And the tree is what God is working on. Because he says, that tree is going to keep giving us the life that we need. He began a good work in us, and he's going to complete 
that good work in us. And so our goodness, whatever goodness we have, is not, nothing to hang our hat on and say, oh, I volunteered so many hours at this particular charity last year. It's saying, no, God is working in you because you're now doing something out of service to him. You're responding to people out of your, your love for him. You're, you're, you're treating people in this particular way that you would never have done before the Holy Spirit was in your life. Because we're receiving goodness from God that he's begun this good work in us. And so that becomes the, the tipping point. Right? It's not saying we need to be good in order to become a Christian. And, and so many people think that. It's amazing. So many people say, oh, I can't come to church. I'm not good enough. And it's like you're missing the point. None of us were ever good enough. To be able to come to church. To be able to come before God. That's why we're here. Because we weren't good enough. And, and we, you, you need to come so that we can become the people that God wants us to be. That we can become a light to the people around us. That we can represent God to people. Not to intimidate them. But to say this is a better, a gooder way to live. We see this laid out. In our last verse, Ephesians 2, verse 10. Ephesians 2, verse 10 simply says, We are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus. Okay, so something has happened. We have been created in Christ Jesus. When we were born, we were not at that point created in Christ Jesus. We can go back to Genesis 1 and we can say there was a creation, but it was not a creation in Christ Jesus. But when we give ourselves to Christ, when we become a new creation, as we follow Jesus, as we join his kingdom, as we accept the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy of God, we become a new creation, a new person, a new beginning. And so... We, we now are God's handiwork, God's good work, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, our Christianity, our faith, our, our life in Christ is not one of sitting back and saying, oh yeah, God's done all the work, I don't need to do anything, right? I got baptized at a little country church in 1972, whatever, you know, and, and you know, that took care of my sin problem, right? And, and now I, I just live my life and I'm happy and, and God's got everything under control because he forgave me back then, washed my sins away. No, because God has created us in Christ Jesus to do things, to live a particular way. We might look at the fruit of the Spirit and say to be transformed in these areas of our lives, to give us love, to give us, to give us, to give us, to give us, He's honest. To give us kindness, to give us goodness, right? He, he's, he's working those to say this is how you're going, what you're going to incorporate into your life. And if you say, I had this saving experience, I was born again, I was new creation in Jesus Christ, but then the Spirit has no influence on our lives from that point. We don't value these things. They're not part of us. Then we're saying, what is really your encounter with Christ? Because the rich young ruler, Jesus says, okay, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you respect me. I'm glad that you understand what it is and, and you're asking these questions. What must I do to inherit eternal life? He says, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to know it. I want you to do it. And he says, I want you to sell everything because I know that you have this, this as good as you are, you have this grip on, on possessions. He says, I want you to come and follow me. 
These guys here, they've walked away from jobs, they've walked away from their careers, they've walked away from their family. For three years, they're just coming and they're following me. I want you to come and join me. And the rich young ruler says, no, I can't do that. He says, you want to make me a new creation in you? And you have good works that you're prepared for me to do? He says, I can't do that. That's a leap too far. And so that's the question that we have to answer. Now, I believe we grow into these. I think Jesus recognized this man's faith and gave him a challenge that was appropriate to his faith. He said, here's your challenge. Sell everything. Right? How many of us are at that place? Right? It's snowing outside. How many of us are at the sell everything and walk around the countryside following Jesus? And so, but Jesus gave him a challenge that was appropriate for his faith. I think Jesus gives us that same challenge that we can grow in these areas, that, that we incorporate them into our lives and grow in these ways. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion, never giving it up until the day of Christ Jesus. I thought about naming this particular sermon, Johnny Be Good. <laughs> but it misses the point, doesn't it? Because it's not about Johnny or Jane or anyone else being good. It's about God being good to us and then to us incorporating it into our lives. I want to just encourage you, if you've not made that decision, if you've not made that commitment to Jesus, if you're trying to live a life of goodness apart from Jesus, I'd love to have a conversation with you. I'd love to, to explore that and see what, what a difference Jesus can make in your life. And uh, please, just see me afterwards, talk to somebody else that you trust this morning. Because Jesus does make a difference.